Thank you so much. Wow. Thanks, Ruth. Ruben, how many of you guys are just gems, absolute gems. And I know that um, Paul and Ruth really value you. And just I know your whole family really values you. So we just honour you guys too for how much you've given. It's been a real honour just to be able to speak into your lives. And thanks. Paul and Ruth, thank you again for having us. We just feel part of the family every time we come. And you just, you just treat us really well and um, really appreciate it. Um, love you guys. I just feel like uh, um, uh, it is like coming home. And, uh, and every time we're here, I feel like God just drops something fresh. And we've been, you know, we spent our life teaching on worship. So to have a, a sermon, Reuben said, the theme is why worship? I think you'll be able to think of something, you know. <clears throat> and I thought, yeah, okay, we've, we've spent a lot. But actually, I was, I was sitting in my, we were, we were in the room last night, and I just felt God just dropped something a little bit new um, about worship. Uh, specifically for you, because I was, I was kind of going to go another way, but I felt, no, 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 there's something that God wants to do here this morning. So if you can open up your hearts and open up your spirit and be open to it, then that'll be really awesome. Um, just before I do, um, actually, why worship? I actually wrote a book about it. So that's, you know, that's the answer. <laughs> um, it's called Rebranding Worship. Um, it's a kind of walk through the Old Testament particularly the Old Testament right up to David, um, with the theme of worship and glory and what we were created for. Because a lot of the time we hear, you know, we were created for worship, but we get the wrong definition of what we think that means. So it's more about relationship than anything else. So please go and, uh, you know, if you get inspired maybe by something I say this morning, go and check that out. And you just heard a little bit of Libby's journey this morning, but that's the whole thing. Um, and her journey into intimacy is one of the most beautiful stories I've, I know of. Because she is one of the most beautiful worshippers I know, ever, ever. Okay, cool. All right. So, um, let me paint you a picture first of all. Let's we'll, we'll go right to the heavy stuff and start in Revelation. <laughs> okay, Revelation chapter four is. I won't put it up on the screen because you won't read it anyway. Um, I'll just describe it for you. Revelation chapter four is an amazing picture. John John sees Jesus uh, in his majestic form. This is John who was the disciple that Jesus loved. That's how he described himself. That's like, I'm the man, all the others were losers, right? I'm the one that Jesus loved. All the others just, you know, barely got to hang out with him, but I was really the one. So he had this intimate relationship with Jesus when he was on earth. Then Jesus is, has gone. He's gone back to heaven. And then, and then John, by this stage, is now exiled on this island called Patmos somewhere else, Right? And uh, it's been like 60 years since Jesus had gone to heaven. So it's been a long time that he hasn't, you know, he had, he, and he remembers his friend, I'm sure. Then all of a sudden, out of the blue, he has this revelation. He sees Jesus, not the Jesus that he would, he would lean against, but this majestic form of Christ that's like, man, and now, who the heck are you? Yeah. Isn't it amazing that the intimate ones get to see the majestic Jesus? The intimate one gets to see the revelation of Jesus in his true majesty. When, the, when he saw this, this revelation of Jesus with, his, with bronze feet and eyes flashing and he looked white and all bright, Jesus said to him, come up here and let me show you some stuff. Again, the intimate ones get the revelation. They're the ones that Jesus says, come up here and let me show you some stuff. So then he shows them the scene of heaven. This is like the first guy ever who gets, to, who gets to peek into heaven and what's really happening up there. When he sees it, he sees the throne, the throne of God, 
rainbow, jasper, emeralds, all this stuff. It's full of stones and glory, and there's, and, and there's thunder, and there's lightning, and there's all this stuff happening everywhere. There's, it's just, like, incredible. Then he says, around the throne, there's 24 other thrones. The 24 other thrones are, have got elders on them. People try to guess who the, who the elders are, 24 elders. Basically, the general thought is that they are representing, representative of the church, elders of the church, the authority of the church. And it says um, they are constantly worshipping the one that's on the throne. Around the throne also, there are these three weird creatures covered in eyes and wings and all kinds of stuff. This is getting freaky now, right? This is stuff that you just can't understand. This is not dream stuff. It's a real vision stuff. It's symbolic as, but of course, there's this, who knows whether, how, what, what it's actually going to be like. To someone who's back in that day and age, they might be seeing, you know, if they were to see a modern day car, they'd be, they'd be describing it in weird ways. There was this wagon that had eyes for, for in the front. You know, headlights <laughs> that flash with the brightness of the sun. That, who knows what he's describing here? But we know it, what it says is that there's these three creatures who are constantly circling the throne and singing a song. And the song they're singing is, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. The nature of God is to be worshipped. The glory of God is to be worshipped. You can't help but exalt the glory of God when you see Him. There's just something about God that's so majestic, it's so glorious, you can't help but just say, man, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. No matter what you're going through in life, no matter what you're working with, if you are faced with the glory of God, your one response is not going to be, hey, help me with my problem. When you're faced with the person of Christ, when you're faced with the glory of God, there's only one response that will come out of you, and that is, holy. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? This is like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Everything gets dimmed in the glory of God. Everything else gets pushed to the background when you're faced with the holiness of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Nothing matters. If you think about how long God has been around. The other day I was in the car and a, and a song came on. It was a, I'm, it, was, it was a song that I remember listening to when I was 14 years old. I saw, I, somehow I spotified it or something. It just came on, this old song. Um, it's called, it was an old hymn. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord. Getting the feels right now, right? Because as a 52-year-old, I'm now looking back at myself at 14 hearing that song saying, take my life and let it be consecrated to you. Consecrated, Lord, for thee. And 40 years later, 40-something years later, I'm, now, I'm, I'm, sit, I'm hearing the song and thinking, man, a lot of stuff has happened in those 40-something years. And God, you've been out every step of that life. Lord, that same God that's with me now was with that 14-year-old kid. He hasn't got any older. He hasn't got any younger. I'm, I mean, I think there's a lot of history going between 14 and 52. For God, it's nothing. That same God that's with me now was with that 14-year-old kid, just as glorious as he's always ever been. That, for, that same God that was with that guy was with Smith Wigglesworth. That same God that was, was, was with Joseph, was with David. That same God and all that glory was with Abraham way back there. That same God and all that glory has been all here, all along, all of it. 
beyond time. That's the picture that we see in this, in this revelation. He's painting this picture of going, my gosh, God is so huge. He is above everything. He is beyond time. He is beyond our comprehension. Man, he is worthy of worship. You're getting the feel? You're getting the idea? So then you, you see this, the other scene then. It's like, it says, and it goes on, and then he says, I see this angel bringing this lamb. Well, actually, the first thing he brought in was a, was a scroll. And how are the lamb and the scroll kind of represent, represented? It's kind of, it doesn't say this, but when you look at this heavenly scene of worship, right, what you do see is a whole lot of angels, a whole lot of elders representing the church, and there's creatures all giving worship to God. What you don't see is us. You see the church. Now, that's, that's a, it's all dependent on your... Just go with me for a minute. What you don't see is millions and millions and millions and millions of people. You see a lot of angels. You see the elders, which... This is, let's just think of that as authority. And then you see... Um, then you see these creatures. So everybody's worshiping God, but you don't see us. And I think in this scene where God is worshipped, the only thing that's missing is us because we're over here traveling all on our way through life unaware that this thing is going on. There's a scene happening in heaven right now where God is being worshipped. But we're over here in our little lives going down, just going to work and buying our cars and buying our house and looking at shoes you know, and watching TV and talking about our Netflix programs, and that's what we're doing. We're going, oh, that chocolate's awesome. Hey, did you go to that new restaurant? That's what we're doing while there's a worship scene happening in heaven. And we don't even, we're not even aware that that's happening until the Holy Spirit has to reveal it to us, and then we get this choice. Do you want to come to that, or do you want to stay over here? Do, do, do you want to join that, or do you, want to, do you want to stay over here and talk about my shoes and my car? And so those of us that do choose, we have to go, okay, yeah, I would love to be a part of that. How, how can I? Well, that's easy. You just have to open the scroll. All right, so everybody that chooses not to, or most of them just don't know because we won't tell them. <laughs> no, sorry, that little dig, just a little dig in there. A lot of people don't know that there's even this thing happening because we won't, that this church won't tell them because we're too busy talking about our shoes and our Netflix. <laughs> okay, next, I'll just move on. So like, all right, but those that do choose, we have this choice. Do I keep talking about this? Or when I, when I do choose and I say, yeah, I'd love to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that whole thing. What do I need to do? And then the angel comes along and says, well, for you to be a part of that, because you screwed up, because sin is, is, has left you direct and direct, is the word? Bereft and bereft, bereft, left over here, left outside with FOMO as, right? We are, we are missing out. We don't even know that's going on. We have to repent of that and get back to that. Well, that's what the scroll is. The scroll is God's plan of redemption. The scroll says, hey, I know that you're left over there. I know that you're left out. I know that you can't get back to me because of sin, but I've made a plan for you to be able to get back here. I've opened, I, all you have to do is open the scroll and you can get back into heaven because I've paid for your sins. All right? And so he says, yeah, cool. The angel says, cool, 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 cool. He just opened the scroll 
And, jo- and John, in his vision, says, great. Can we get someone here over to open the scroll, please? Angel says, yeah, sure, no problem. I'll send out for someone. Uh, is anybody in the room? No, no, no one with you? Oh, okay, we'll have to go wider. Let's look, let's look through all of heaven. Can we find anybody that's worthy? Ah, no one here. Uh, maybe there's someone on earth. Okay, now I'm starting to get worried, right? I'm John, I'm starting to get worried. What do you mean you haven't found anybody in heaven? Is there anybody on earth? What do you mean you can't find somebody on earth? What about under the earth? Is there anybody under the earth that, that can open this? There's a whole lot of people about to go to hell unless we open the scroll. You start to hear, he's now really starting to panic. And he goes, under the earth, and nobody can be found that's worthy to open the scroll so that the redemption plan of God can be outworked for us and we can enter the scene of heavenly worship. And at that point, he freaks out and he weeps. He's going, what do you mean we can't find anybody? What about my mother? What about my family? What about all these people? And he weeps and weeps and weeps until the angel says, hey, 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 wait a minute. Look, there's a lamb. Don't weep. Don't cry. Behold the lamb of God. Behold the lamb of God. Now, it says this really weird thing. It says, behold, the, there's a, and I looked and I saw a lamb that looked like it had been slain. That's a really weird way to describe something. Look, I see a lamb, and I looked, and there was a lamb that looked like it had been slain. He had to take note that the fact that the lamb was not just a lamb, it was a lamb that had been slain. Beforehand, you refer to Jesus, he's the Lion of Judah. In the same chapter, he says, there the Lion of Judah, Jesus, he's there, Lion of Judah. The Lion of Judah is who he is. The lamb that was slain is what he did. You can't have one without the other. Before he left heaven, he was the Lion of Judah. But that was useless for us because we're over here. But because the Lamb then came to earth and was slain, then he came back into, into heaven. Now he's made a way for us to be able to come in here. And then it moves on to Revelation 5. See, that you've got to understand, Jesus, you have to acknowledge what he did for us to be able to get into heaven. A lot of people acknowledge Jesus, but they don't acknowledge what he did for us. A lot of religions acknowledge Christ, but they don't acknowledge what he did for us and the significance of what he did for us. So when, so when it moves on to Revelation 5, you see, this, you see the whole scene of now that the lamb is coming back in, and all this worship that was directed to the throne is, is now directed to the lamb. And they're singing songs like, he, the lamb, you are worthy to receive all glory, all power. You are worthy to receive. Why Why is he worthy to receive? Because he was slain. Because he was the one that that allowed all these people. And there's such a beautiful verse. Man, I'm I'm even going to find it. Such a beautiful verse. Some verses. It says, because of what he's done, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousands. Woo. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders and a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Woo. Man, you have got a... 
before that it said, listen, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. That's the whole point. All those people from every tribe and people and nation and tongue are now able to enter into this throne room of heaven where worship is happening because of the blood, because of the lamb that was slain. Is he worthy to be worshipped? If you want to ask the question, why worship? Because that's what we were designed to do, to be in that room. You've got to understand, man, the, the scene of worship is happening all the time. <laughs> Sometimes we get, this, we get this thing, like when we worship, you know, there's this little, there's our church, and we're worshiping, and God says, okay, I'm going to go down to that church now and just and join in on their worship. You know, and he manif- his presence is manifest. And don't get me wrong, it's a beautiful thing to him. It's beautiful for us to worship. But let's get the right perspective. There's a worship scene happening there that's massive, that's so glorious, and it's full of all that glory in the Lamb. When we worship here, all we're doing is aligning with what's already happening in there. We're just aligning. Now, what happens when you align with a king? You get the kingdom. <clears throat> you get a, you get a king that you get a king like a big powerful earthly king who's going around conquering nations. Eventually, they say yes, we will align with your kingdom, and with the kingdom, you then get the benefits of the kingdom. Right? You get the protection of that king. I'm a small country. I've been conquered by a big country, a big nation, and when I give my allegiance to that nation and I start to worship, I get the protection of that nation. I get the political stuff of that nation. I get the I get all the benefits of that kingdom. You understand what I'm saying? So when we now, when we worship God, we're aligning ourselves with the kingdom of heaven and all that power and all that glory is there. Therefore, in our world, we now receive the benefits of that kingdom. All the power, all the protection, all that stuff. If we are not aligning with that kingdom, what kingdom are we aligning with? Uh, Why worship? Because you are going to align with a kingdom, whether you like it or not. You should worship so that you align with his kingdom. When you walk out of this room, you walk out now carrying his kingdom. It's like when you worship, you put a big flag right in the middle of your life saying, this is the kingdom and the sovereignty of God. And I'm aligning with that world. I'm aligning with that kingdom. As I walk around, I close my eyes, I see that vision of heaven where the lamb and the, the one on the throne are being worshipped. And I'm just worshiping along with them. And because of that, all that glory goes with me wherever I go. Are you starting to see the picture? (laughs) Why worship, man? Why? How can we stop? It's because we stop getting at vision. We We keep seeing this vision over here. And you've got to understand, man, in heaven there there is... If the thousands and thousands and ten thousands and ten thousands of angels are all worshiping, these angels were created by God. There are three archangels that are mentioned in the Bible. We know about Michael, we know about Gabriel, and we know actually about Lucifer. Michael, the, the, the one that they associate with prayer or war, right? Because prayer is war. <clears throat> Gabriel is the messenger. We, we hear about Gabriel through the Bible. He's the one that often comes to bring the message. Right, the word. Often people 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 talk about well, there's Michael the prayer and uh, Gabriel the word. Uh, yeah, the messenger. 
But Lucifer was also one of the archangels, and we know about him from the, from, largely from the books of Isaiah and Ezekiel, um, where he was, he was made with musical instruments inside him. A lot of people don't realize that, but when you read it, you see that he was made with precious stones in him and musical instruments in him. Stuff just came out of him naturally. He was so beautiful. He was reflecting the glory of God. His job as the angel was the glory, the worship. If people call him the worship leader that was in heaven, I think that's kind of a, yeah, it's not, it's not it's kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's more like a reflection and the ex- exaltation of God was his, was his job. The exaltation, just to reflect. And come on, let's get, let's get worship happening. You've, you've got Michael with the war, warrior and the prayer, and you've got Gabriel with the word. Now you've got Lucifer who's worship. And when his worship leader then rebelled against God and tried to take the head spot, then God had to ex- ex- exile him, God had to exit him, God had to throw him out. And so now there's an empty spot waiting in heaven. So who's God going to fill with that? Instead, he sends, he sends Lucifer to the, to the earth. We know about Lucifer in the earth, and everything he does is corrupt. Corruption now enters the earth and fills it with dust. You know what dust is? Corruption. When everything, anything dies, it turns to dust. A lot of dust is just dead skin. <laughs> Gross, eh? A lot of dust is just dead skin. You watch a tree or a leaf when it, when it, goes, when it dies and goes old and, old and and it turns to dust. piece of fruit, that yummy mandarin that was really full of juice, months later is now turning into this green little pile of dust. Everything turns to dust because it's corruption. The earth is filled with dust because of the corruption that Lucifer brought with him when he got exiled out of heaven. Are you following me on this? So isn't it strange that God then comes to say, hey, I need a new worship leader in heaven, and the corruption that you caused to my beautiful planet, I'm going to take that very dust and form it into a body. I'm going to breathe my life into it, my spirit into it, so that one day that very body, that very person will come back, and when he dies, even though the corruption is still here, that body will return to dust, but his spirit will return to heaven. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to stand in that spot. Hey, I'm going to stand there. I heard Jensen Franklin preach this once. He said, when I get to heaven, I'm going I'm I'm to ask, where is it? Everyone's going, where's what? He goes, where's the spot? Where's the spot where Lucifer failed to worship so I can stand there and lift my hand and worship God? <laughs> we are the replacements, man. We're the ones that we, we should be reflecting the glory of God. We should be the ones. Why worship? Yes, there are other reasons, but this is the, to me, this is the biggest one. He's deserved to be worshipped. There's a worship scene going on. There is a worship gap where Satan was supposed to worship, but instead, now we stand in that spot and we give him glory just because he's worthy of it. We were designed to reflect God. We were designed to carry his glory. Woo, man. All right, well, then how does that apply to earth? How does that apply to now, our every day? It's really cool, right? It's cool painting this picture. And I, and I, hope you, I really hope you get this, the idea of this. In the spiritual realm, you are making a statement when you worship God. You are revealing to the spiritual realm, man, I am part of this kingdom. 
and over my life and over my world and over my household, I am establishing a covering of the kingdom of God whenever I stand up and worship God. Oh, I don't know if I, can, if I can say that loud enough. When the, especially when the head of a house stands up in his house and he worships God, he is putting a cover over his house. He is establishing a flag. He is establishing a sovereignty. He is establishing a kingdom that says, now over this family and over our, our house, over our whole extended family, I'm establishing a spiritual cover that is the kingdom of God because I'm aligning myself with that kingdom. Woo. You good? All right. So uh, that Lucifer has always tried to take the relationship out of everything. That same Satan, when he came here, he, he gave up his position. God made us for a relationship as a worshiper. He made us for that relationship. But because Satan has lost it, he now tries to take it out of everything that we've got. He tries to take the relationship out of the word, right? And you end up with legalism. You take the relationship out of the word and you end up with religion, that legalistic religion. Or you, can, you take relationship out of worship and you end up with experience. You take relationship out of worship and you end up worshiping the experience, not the one we worship. That's what I'm very careful of in church. Now, that we, when we go around and talk about worship and we teach worship, because so many people are about the experience itself. A lot of people just want to stand and receive, but they don't give anything. And what this says is, I'm here for me. Whereas in that scene, notice that nobody's receiving anything but the lamb and the one on the throne. <laughs> let, me, let me see that again. When you're in that scene, notice that nobody's there receiving good stuff. Everyone's just giving. Everyone's going, no, you're the one that's worthy, not me. Why? Because we've already received. We've already received everything we need. Because of what Jesus has done, we've received everything we need to have a life that's full and that's abundant. And now we can enter into heaven. Just the fact that we can enter into that scene is everything we need. So how can we now stand when we have worship? How can we stand in his presence and do nothing? Hey, we're worshiping God. We're lifting up. We're going, hey, thank Jesus for thankful for all you have done. How can, we, how, can we, how can we say we're thankful? When we're... I'm not really. I understand where people are at. We're all on our different journeys. We're all understanding a, different, a whole degree of you know, what, we've, what we're appreciating and what we remember. And that's why our job as the church is to remind you of what he's done. Every day you come to church. Listen, can I just congratulate you for getting here? Thank you for coming to church. Because at least it's a step in the right direction. And if you can get here, then I mean, there's a whole lot of people out there who ain't even here. And our job, if we can remind each other, this is what Jesus has done. Isn't he worthy of some thanks? Okay, man, at least I can. You know, if Jesus hadn't done what he, what he had done, we couldn't have church. You couldn't even have a quiet time. You couldn't pray. You couldn't do anything. God would have to reject you because you're covered in sin. But because of Christ, now the word says we can boldly enter the throne room of God. Somebody happy. Somebody needs to be happy about that. You know? 
when it says enter into his course with thanks and praise, uh, man, there have been so many times where I've gone into God and I couldn't wait just to get there so I could complain. You know, so I just want to get away from people so I can get there and bring him all my problems. Lord, what's going on? But this, this jolly verse comes back to me every time. Every time I get there, no, enter into his course with thanks and praise. And so you know what comes out? It's not like, hey, thank you. If I am down, if I'm really feeling it, I'm feeling, the, I'm feeling pain sometimes. And I go into his presence and I go, regardless of what's going on in my heart, Thank you that you're even here. Thank you that I can bring my stuff to you. Thank you that no matter what I'm going through, you are right here beside me. Thank you, Jesus, that you made it accessible for me. You know, one day I was out there. <clears throat> I, was out, I, I, I go like this, up and down in my little times with God. I have good seasons, bad seasons. And I, so I had, I had kind of, I, you know, I have like really good ones and kind of some average ones. So then I was coming out of an average time, and I thought, I need to make another decision. So I just, I thought, I'm going to get up really early and walk in the park behind my house. So I got up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and, I'm, and I was walking in the park. And I remember just, just thinking, oh, Lord, you're here. And it, it flashed through my mind that the day before, I had to see Pastor Sam. I had, like, a, um, an another appointment with somebody. I like my ac- acupuncture, oh, no, acupuncture, chiropractor. Yeah, um... Um, and then I had met a couple of mates, and I had to make coffee times with them, right? Well, to see Sam, I had to make an appointment, and that wasn't for like another week because he was away. Um, that my my um, chiropractor, I had to go online and make a scheduled appointment to see which ones he was available for, right? And then these these two friends, even just for coffee, I had to, we had to get out our calendars and schedule. Or are you free after one? Oh, I'm free after two. I got a meeting before three though, so we're gonna have to. Can we squash it at two o'clock? Yep, cool. We're. Right? And so there's four appointments I had to schedule and make with my pastor, my chiropractor, and two friends just for coffee. I was there at five o'clock in the morning out of the back of my house in Ferguson Park in Unehunga, and God was there waiting for me. I remember saying to God, Why are you even here? You're the most important being in the universe, and I don't have to make an appointment with you. 24-7, and you're right there every time I call out to you. No matter where I am, no matter where you are, 24-7, he's made himself available to you. And he's only done that because of one act, and that's the act of the lamb that was slain. Because of that lamb. Listen, I'm going to show you, um, I'm going to show you, man, you, you don't even understand what, how good God is. <laughs> what he has done. What Satan has tried to do is take the relationship out. Now that we, we have got a picture of how awesome God is, we have to understand that that same God wants a beautiful, intimate relationship with us. Can, can we put up the, a slide? There's a, there's a slide there of my two kids. It was that one, but a few on. Or just put that one up. Yep. I love this psalm. I especially love this. Oh. <laughs> okay, these are my two kids. Some of you know Josh, and some of you know Gracie. These, these are our two kids. Um, both of them have got married this year. That's not them marrying each other. <laughs> right. Gracie got married uh, not last Saturday, but the Saturday before. Right, and it's, yeah, I'm just... <laughs> 
It's too soon, all right? Too soon. Right? <laughs> I'm still crying. I'm still getting over it. Josh got married in February. Um, and the next slide, please, is um, his, her, her dad walking her up the aisle. She made the most beautiful bride. Um, and I was Iceman as I walked up there. Not one single tear, I lie. Right. Uh, nobody could see the, the buckets of tears I've been crying, right, to give my baby girl away because she is, she is my princess. But when I think about Gracie, I think about the next picture. That's who I think of. Look how secure she is. Look how safe she is. She owns that place. And she knows it. This is my dad. This is where I'm safe. This is where I'm secure. When, when I come to worship now, although I understand God and his holiness, although I understand the lamb that was slain, although all of that, when I come to God and worship, that's what I think of. That's what I think of. I come to God because I need that. I need that place of security. And that's the, the, the psalm that comes before it, Psalm 63, says, The anointing of your presence satisfies like nothing else. The anointing of your presence satisfies like nothing else. We worship because it opens up our heart emotionally to the comfort and the anointing of your presence. Yes, we worship so we can, on a spiritual level, we can make a statement, we can be covered, we can align with the kingdom, but we worship at a relationship level because it's the emotional part of our relationship with God. Satan has tried to take that away from us. He's tried to take that away from us. When Jesus went, to, um, went back to heaven, he said, hey, I'm going, to, I'm going um, to my Father, I'm going to heaven, but I'm going to send another helper. And there's several translations for that word. One is advocate, which is like a lawyer. One is comforter, the one who comforts. And then it says, he will guide you into all truth. That same spirit will comfort and bring truth. The function of the Holy Spirit is twofold, to bring comfort and to bring truth. It's often when we, when we hear the truth, we don't want to hear it. <laughs> When the Holy Spirit brings truth, often we don't want to hear it because it usually comes in the form of conviction. You need to fix this. You need to change this. Your attitude is not right. You need to repent of that sin. Right? Often we don't want to hear that. When, a, when we've got a parent that just constantly tells us what's wrong, we lose, we lose that sense of, but this is my mom. This is my dad. We just get the angry side. We get that side that says, no, you need to fix. You need to, you, you know, right. What, what, what keeps the relationship and the beautiful intimacy between a child and their parent? Isn't it the comfort? When we're hurt, we get the comfort. When we're in pain, when we're fear, we get the comfort. How many were saying about Andre? Man, everything's fixed with a hug. Everything is fixed with a hug. When we worship, the Holy Spirit gives us comfort. When we get into the presence of God and we worship Him, we, we, we need worship to receive the comfort. Otherwise, we're only receiving the Word, which is only one side of it. If we're in a relationship with God, we've got to, we've got to be emotional about it. And worship, to me, is a, the emotional component of our relationship with God. Am I making sense to anybody? 
sometimes we walk through life and we think, no, everything's to the Word. No, the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word. We'll have a problem and someone will say, well, go and read the Word. What does the Word say? It's all good, man. I love the Word. But if you don't worship, you're only getting one side of the relationship. It would be like if Libby and I went on a date and we sat at a table having dinner and then we read letters about each other but never actually talked to each other. What kind of relationship is that? What kind of date is that? It's a stink date. We can't just read about each other. There's got to be interaction. I've got to hold her hand. I've got to look into each other's eyes. We've got to talk. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? There's got to be some emotion. Your wife wants to hear you say something emotional. <laughs> Your husband wants to hear you say something emotional. He wants to see you put on something a little nice, you know. Go out, there's, there's romance happening. There's the romance. What's, where's, the, where's the relationship if there's no romance? Where's the relationship if there's no feeling, there's no transference, there's no honesty? Jesus said to the woman at the well, no, God is looking for worshipers who will worship in spirit and truth. Vulnerability and honesty and openness. That's why we worship. We worship on two levels. One, to, to, the, to align with the kingdom too, because it's the emotional component of our, of our relationship with God. And if you can't open yourself up, then you've got some work to do. Worship in spirit. Worship in truth. Open your spirit up. Let your feelings show. God is not afraid of your feelings. That's why he allowed David to write all those psalms. All those psalms where he's brutally honest. And he, he's not afraid to let God know, where are you? What's going on? What, how long will you come? But he always finishes on, yet my soul will praise the Lord. Yet my soul will praise the Lord. Are you, are you, feeling, are you feeling this? You feeling this? Who feels like worshiping God right now? <laughs> Why don't we stand for a second and let's worship God. I'm not even going to, we will get into a song eventually when we think of one. <laughs> but right now, I just want you to lift up your own voice. I want you to, I want you to do something outside of your comfort zone. Just if you, some, some of us are afraid of the sound of our own voice, but I want you to actually think of something and say, okay, I'm going to open my voice. I'm going, to, I'm going to contribute to the worship atmosphere in this place. If thousands and thousands of angels are worshiping, elders are casting their crowns before him, then we can certainly try to think of something and say, Jesus, you're awesome. God, you're awesome. God, I acknowledge you as king of my life. I acknowledge you as king of the universe. I acknowledge you, Jesus, as the lamb that was slain. Why don't you now, let's just, let's just create an atmosphere in here. And I want to encourage you to open your mouth and make some noise. Go ahead. Come on, go against your feelings and give him something. Your, your flesh will be fighting against you right now. It'll be telling you, no, I don't know, don't say anything, but open up your voice. Let's, let's align ourselves with the kingdom of heaven. God, we worship you. We acknowledge you, Jesus. We acknowledge you as the lamb that was thrown, thrown, slain. We worship the one that was on the throne. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Worthy is the lamb to receive power and glory and honor. Worthy is the Lamb to receive power and glory and honor. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Father, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus.